Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, good evening, everybody. And um, and today is just day three of the fast. <laughs> Can you feel the power already? You know, as we press in further, God will intensify his presence with us in the name of Jesus. Um, today we're in part two of our series Daniel, 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 this series actually is for everybody, particularly everyone in business, everyone in the marketplace, everyone in politics, everyone in, I mean, it's just amazing how much God has to teach us in the practicalities of, of staying at the top and uncompromised. You know, many times, People's idea of being at the top is you need to bend and compromise God here and compromise God there. But Daniel is showing us and challenging us how to do it without bowing to another God. Praise the name of the Lord. And, and last week we, we um, started with chapter 1, we're we are still in chapter 1 of the book of, of Daniel. Um, I have no clue when we're going to finish this book. <laughs> it's just, in fact, we are just in verse 7 today. It's, it's just so much, so much. And if you missed last week, I want to encourage you to, to get the teaching for last week. During World War II, I mean, even before World War II, um, the Nazis you know, had an objective. And the objective was to wipe out the race of Israel, the tribe of Israel, or the whole nation of Israel. That's to wipe out every Jew. I mean, it was an interesting time in the history of, of man. And millions and millions of Jews were killed. They were, they were taken to concentration camps and they were they will tell them they are taking them for a bath and they will release acid on them, you know, and, and, and take them to, through all sorts of torture. One of the things that the um, Hitler and, his, and, the, and the Nazis did at the time was to give every Jew a number. So Hitler gave every Jew a number. So he, 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 he forbade them to be called by their names and he gave every Jew a number because almost every Jew had a name that is connected to God. So he wiped out all their names and they were called by numbers. So you could just say number 6,522 and it must come out, you know. And, and imagine the amount of torture they must have gone through. And at Teaching today is focused largely on the importance of the name that we bear, of names and, and our worldview. Our names and our worldview, our identity, which is carried in our names, and our worldview, how we 
see the world, how we see ourselves, how we see the world, how we answer the basic fundamental questions of life. And God will um, help us to sort out these foundational truths that are crucial to us. So we have a different segment, as you are aware. If today's your first time in Tribe, welcome. You should have an outline. Do we have an outline? And in your outline, you have some fill in the blanks. You have some spaces. So you fill in the blanks. As we go on, you fill in the blanks um, with the missing um, text. It will come up on the screen. And the spaces provided is for you to put on your thoughts and the things that we have learned from this um, teaching. The idea is that you file this, and over time, you have a whole um, volume of, of, of series to refer to and to pass down to your children. So the first um, part here is, <laughs> is the open section. I said pass out to your children. We were shocked. Of course, your children are going to read your journals and read your notes one day, and they will pass it down to their own children. Praise the name of the Lord. Well, I remember a lot of things that were passed down to us, but let's go on. The, a couple of questions to open up um, the teaching. What does your name mean? Think about it, everybody. Think about it for a moment. What does your name mean? Think about it. What, what does my name mean? What does your name mean? What does your name mean? What does your name mean? Have you figured out what your name means? You figured out what your name means. Okay, so um, who wants to tell us? What does your name mean? Yes. Good evening, church. Good evening. My name is Uyi, the glory of God upon my head. Just, just that three-letter word, Uyi. Means the glory of God upon my head. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, thank you. Anybody else? What does the name mean? Okay, just, just one more person, then we'll go on. What does the name mean? Right in front. Keep the hands up, please, so that. Keep the hands up. Thank you. Um, yeah. My, my name is Chinonye, and it means God is with me. Chinonye. It means God is with me. With me. Awesome, awesome. Okay, fantastic. Um, now, do you think your name reflects who you are or who you hope to be or your prophetic destiny? Do you think your name re reflects your prophetic destiny? Um, how many people think their name actually reflects their prophetic destiny? How many people? Okay. So, okay, please put down your hands. How many people feel their names do not reflect their prophetic destiny? Okay, some hands are up. Okay, thank you. How many people are not sure? Okay, <laughs> some people are not sure. Okay, as we go on, maybe, um, which hopefully the next question will be able to help you um, sort that out, which is, if you had the chance to rename yourself in a way that reflected what you most value about yourself, or the person you hope to become, 
what name would you choose? Don't say it. Think about it first. If you were to give yourself a name that, that reflects the prophetic future or the prophetic destiny you have for yourself, what name would you choose? I thought about this deeply myself. And honestly, I will not change my name for anything. <laughs> my name means God loves me. That's my prophetic destiny. I'm God's favorite child. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Now, um, yeah, that's one of my names. Now, is there anybody that has a name that you would name yourself that is not your current name? If you, you have the liberty, anybody, if I were to give myself a name, Okay? Can you please put up, keep the hands up until you get a card, um, not a card, a microphone. Right, at the back, there's a hand at the back also. Yes, please. Praise God. Hallelujah. My parents give me Obal. Obal means someone that thinks every time. Someone that what? Thinks. Thinks. Never forget time. something. Okay. So when I grow, and then change the name to blessing. Blessing. Because that's, there are some things that need to be forgotten. Yes. Ma'am. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yes. Good evening. Good evening. I'll change one of my names to Emmanuel. God is with me. Amen. Okay, you will change your name. I hope your mom is not hearing. <laughs> oh, she's sitting right beside you. <laughs> okay, um, anybody else? One more and we go on. Any, if you give yourself a name, okay, yeah. Um, what would it be? Oh, and is there Anna that corner? Right, yes. Let's, let's have you, yeah, hallelujah. My parents actually gave me Sunday. Sunday. I went, Sunday. I went, I, they said I was born on a Sunday. Right. When I grew up, it was very difficult for me. Right. Any person I tell that I'm Sunday, they would say I'm lying. <laughs> so I wasn't comfortable with that. My time goes on. I change it to joy, and I'm, I'm always joyous. You're joyful. Awesome. <laughs> okay, so let's just take one more person, and we're off. Yeah. If I'll change my name, I'll change it from Deborah to Pinel. If you were to change your name, you change it from Deborah to Pinel. Pinel, yes. What does Deborah mean? What B. does Pinel Queen B. Queen B. Yes. Busy B. Always busy. <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> ah, that actually looks like you, though. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, what will you change it to? Pinel. Pinel, what does that mean? Face of God. Prince of God? Face of God. Face of God. Oh, okay. That's awesome. Okay, so let's dive straight into the study and discussion questions. Um, Daniel chapter 1, verse 3 to 7. Daniel 1, 3 to 7. It's on the screen. It says, Then the king ordered Aspenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families 
who had been brought to Babylon as captives, selects only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men. He said, make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years. Everyone say three years. For three years, then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Ananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen. All of the tribe, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belshazzar. Ananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael, Mishael was called Meshach. And Azariah was called Abednego. Amen. So why did the Babylonians rename this Young men. Why? Why do you think they were renamed? Is it that they couldn't pronounce Hebrew? They were struggling to pronounce their names. You know, back in the day when um, some of our, well, some people used to go to the, um, on summer holidays to the UK to, to do what they call guru. You know what? Have you heard of guru? as in to work all the day job and to, to also, you know. So you will have people that are bearing, give me a complex name, let's say, Uluwani <laughs> Femi, you know, and the Caucasian cannot pronounce Uluwani Femi. So they will say they are Tom, you know, and people, people cannot give their names, names that people in that culture can easily pronounce. You know, so was that why they changed their names? Why did they change their names? Why do you think they changed their names? Yes. Um, those names, Daniel, Ananiah, Mishael, Azariah, had um, their meanings are linked to the name of God, Yahweh, God, and all those things. Right. They are all Hebrew names. Right. And so they needed to change those names so that they could forget their God and forget right. where they were coming from. Because right. all the other names they gave them were related to the names of their own gods right. in, the, in, in Babylon. Absolutely. So they gave them the names to change their identity. To, um, like she said, their names were rooted in their God. And every time you think of your name, you think of your God, you think of your roots, you think of your values, you think of the things that are dead to you and dead to your God. But when they rename you and with the names of their own God, they kind of rebrand you. They give you a new identity. And most of the time, um, there's a challenge because most people kind of rise up to the name they are called. Now, in your text, you will have the meanings of those names. Um, in blanks. Daniel, 
Daniel actually means my judge is God. That is, God is judge. God is my judge. And they gave him Belshazzar, which means Nabal protect his life. Nabal is a, 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 an idol, <laughs> an idol of, of Chaldeans. So, Daniel, my God is judge. They changed it to Nabal protect his life. Belshazzar, Nabal protect his life. Ananiah means Yahweh has shown grace. What a beautiful name. The Lord has shown grace. And he changed it to Shadrach. The command of Aku. Aku is an idol moon god. The command of Aku. Michelle means who is like unto God. Who is like unto God. And they changed Michelle to Meshach. Who is like unto Aku. Can you see an agenda right in there? Who is like unto Aku? Aku God. <laughs> you know? Who is like unto Aku? Then, Azaria means the Lord has helped. Yahweh has helped. And they changed him to Abednego. The servant of Nego, Abednego. And Nego is also Nebo, the servant of Nebo. Interestingly, you know, people just see names in the Bible and they just call their children those names. <laughs> and they say, Oh, my son has a name from the Bible. And you call him Abednego. You call him Shadrach. Have, have, you, have you not heard of Shadrach before? I have friends that are called Abednego. Friends called Abednego. And we used to say, wow, your daddy must be very spiritual. He gave you a name from the Bible. Meshach. So the fact that it's from the Bible doesn't mean it's from God. Praise the name of the Lord. I mean, you need to just get that. The fact that a word is from the Bible does not mean it is from God. Doesn't mean it's from God. And if you look at the king himself, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar means Nebo protect my boundary, protect my territory. That is, he's calling on the idol to protect his territory. Nebuchadnezzar means neighbor protect my boundary. 
And Babylon, Babylon means the gate of gods. The gate of gods. That is in air, there are different idols. The gate of gods. Of gods. Why is it important? Obviously, it's, it's, it's obvious why it's important that we get to the roots of all these names. Because if we are studying a book and we are, we are just calling these names and, and trying to explain the context, when we know the root words, it makes a whole lot of sense. Now, you will understand really why it was important to them to rename these children. So our next question, which I think we've answered in a way, but let's see. It's why did they use the names of their gods in the new names? They used the names of their gods simply because they wanted them to be loyal to their gods. They wanted they are gods to rule their lives. And unfortunately, the world system tries to rename us, tries to give our children different names. But we have to, we have to turn it down. And as we go on, you're going to see how subtle it can be. The truth is that the people of God were to be called, and this is huge. And if I look at I mean, all our names growing up, you know, I don't know about, about you guys. Some of you need to change your names, obviously, you know. I mean, I'm grateful to God. All our names, is, they are rooted in God. They are like as God intends. Why? Because the people of God were to be called by his name. God was clear. Put my name upon these people. Second Chronicles 7.14 is my people that are called by my name shall humble themselves. So, they are to spend their lives making the name of their God great. So, if my name is Olufemi Asitit, which means God loves me, and I become great, right? Say amen now, come on. It means that everyone that calls my name is giving glory to who? To God. So the people of God are to spend their lives making a name for their God and making the name of their God great. So it was unthinkable that they would be called by the names of another God, spending their lives making the name of another God great, the name of Nabal great, the name of Aku great. We were created and called for his glory. So we are to make his name great. And that explains why Daniel never, never called himself Belteshazzar. If you read the book of Daniel, you will say, I, Daniel. I, Daniel. I saw in a vision. Daniel said, Daniel, Daniel. He, he never called himself Belshazzar. Unfortunately, we 
many times, we really don't care what people call us as long as they like us. We are more interested in, in the powers that will be liking us than in the God of heaven being in sync with us. So Daniel never called himself Belshazzar. Not once. Okay, apart from the fact that he says, okay, they gave him Belshazzar. That's the closest he got. Closest he got. So what names are they calling you? What names are they calling your children? To really get to the bottom of it, the next question we need to answer, which is, what do gods represent in our culture? What do, what, what, now, in, in, Nebu, in, in terms of Nebuchadnezzar, in Babylon, the gods were Nego, or Nebo, Aku, and the other guys, the other gods, rather. But in our culture, what, what are the gods? What are the gods in our time? Yes, there's a hand there. What are the gods in our times? What's to help us? Yeah. <laughs> so when they say that, Shongo uh, Tedu, do you know a place called Shongo Tedu? So you, are, you understand what is trying to happen right there? Okay, so those. Okay, anybody else? Those are the deity gods. Anybody else? What, what are the gods of our time? Yeah, yes, please. I'm thinking uh, the gods of our time is probably things like money. Money. Power, authority. Power. Things people are obsessed with at the moment. Absolutely. So, fame. Fame, exactly. Yeah. Celebrity status. Someone is talking there? You raise your hand. Raise your hand if you want to talk. The gods of our time. Now, we can, we can take it straight from Amadioha, Shongo, Obatala, and on and on. And we can, we can bring it home to money. For some people, money is their god. I mean, it's, it is unbelievable what some people will do for money. Unbelievable. Yes. And tell us, tell us. Someone said fashion. We said fashion. Who said fashion? <laughs> Okay, fashion has become a god. You know, for some people, to they feel um, they must follow every trend. So they don't mind borrowing. They don't mind being in debt. They don't like mind having book me down. You know what book me down is? Am I saying the right terms? 
Is that the right term, okay? Because I, mean, I just said it and I'm using it as if I'm, I'm, I'm current. You know? <laughs> Book me down a monthly payment you know, that never gets done. Why? Because you want to wear what everybody's wearing. Sometimes you just need to let those things go. Then the gods of our time can, can go even into, apart from those things, to another level. It could be something that is as, as basic as, as interest. You like to play football, but football can easily be a god. When you can't come to church, you have to watch football. They're playing Champions League. Then it's become your god. There are people that are struggling to come to church because they want to play golf on Sunday morning. Then golf has become what? Their god. There are some people that, you know, it's, it's their sleep. Yet, there are some people that it's their, their belly is their god. Their stomach. You know, it's in the Bible. Some people, their stomach is their god. They don't joke with food. If you, if you are fasting, shout hallelujah. If you are not fasting, say amen. There you go. Some people have legitimate reasons. Actually, maybe they are, they, are, they are taking medications and all that. But some people legitimately, they, don't, they can't even fast for anything. Why? Someone says, Pastor, if I fast, I will die. I said, you won't die. Try it. Since I tried it, I almost died. I said, exactly. You will feel like you are almost dying, but you will not die. <laughs> if fasting can kill, I will be dead 10 times over. I will be dead 100 times over. Fasting doesn't kill. Praise the name of the Lord. It doesn't. God will give you the grace in Jesus' name. So, next question, if we turn this, this, um, to the next page, we, we've answered that already, right? Similar questions, gods of our culture. Now, Babylon had and still have two main objectives. Babylon has and still had and still have Two main objectives. And what are the two objectives of Babylon? Number one, to change your identity. And number two, to change your worldview. Number two is so important. We labeled it twice. To change your worldview. I'm going to give you a different name. So the Babylon system of thinking was forced upon Daniel and his friends. In much the same way, our culture tries to train us each day to conform our thinking to its own. Can you, can you give an example of how our culture tries to rename us or to change our thinking, to change our worldview consistently. How? Who, who can help us? How? How does that? Okay. 
Praise God. Hallelujah. Um, two things readily come to mind. Okay. First is um, the homosexuality thing that is now the new fad. You know, it's okay to be gay. Right. God created some people gay, you know, that sort of thing. And the second thing has to do with um, um, living together when you're not married. You know, right. It's becoming increasing even in the body of Christ. You know, people are like, oh, yeah, you have to test, you know, try. And so the world makes it look like it's okay. But Absolutely. I mean, those things are big. Now, I mean, how many of us remember the first time you heard that some people were actually homosexuals? Most of us almost fainted. Right? We couldn't even believe it. But over time, the media keeps telling us it's okay. CNN keeps telling us it's okay. CNN keeps showing company in the world. Apple, their CEO is homosexual. And it's public. And they are presenting to us that it's okay to be. And guess what? When we hear about homosexuality these days, we don't want to faint anymore. You know why? They are trying to change our thinking. But they will fail. In the name of Jesus. They are trying to tell us it's okay. And that is the danger of the media, really. The danger of the media. The second example she gave also is very prevalent. So increasingly, you have Christians that are not married, but, you know, they are cohabiting. They are, they are living together. And it's in this part of the world, it's, it's actually increasing in this part of the world. It used to be an issue with the Western Christians, Christians of the Western world. But now you see people drive to church together. And they're not married. And many times I've had to intervene and separate them and say, you go and stay with this person. When you are ready to marry her, come and some of them are married today. Some of them are pastors today. Some of our pastors, they were living together. They were not married. You can't guess. It's a long time ago. <laughs> I had to call me that. No. You see, there's a proper way of behaving as children of God. We can't accept it. And, and, and of course, they didn't understand it. It was tough for them, but we insisted. They almost left the church. I didn't care. But they stayed. They lived apart. Did things right. When the guy felt he wanted to marry, he went to marry her. They have their own children, and they are pastors today. Praise God. So when we are saying these things, we are not condemning anybody. It's not an older than thou thing. What is wrong is wrong. You know, my grandmother used to say that what is wrong does not have another name. It is wrong. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So the, the, the Babylon system of thinking it tries to change our worldview. By, for sake of definition, a worldview is a set of ideas or beliefs about the basic truths of reality and the important questions of life. In addition to, uh, to what um, Tosa said, you know, increasingly too, we are having people that are married, but they're in relationship with someone else. You know, you're married to someone, but you have a lover. 
you know, I mean, it's increasing. It is amazing. And the world wants to tell us it's okay. But what is wrong is, what is wrong is wrong. It doesn't have another name. What is wrong is wrong. So that's a worldview. And you see, part of knowing who you are is knowing what you stand for. Part of knowing who you are is, is knowing what you believe. Many of us, we need, to, we need to stop and think about what we actually believe. What do we stand for? Many times going to school, my mom would say, remember the child of whom you are. In other words, you, you can't do what everybody else is doing. This is who you are. This is who, and that is so, so big because if, if you don't know who you are, in the workplace, there's, there's so much pressure. But if you know who you are, like Daniel knew who he was, you will withstand the pressure. And when you withstand the pressure, you know what will happen? God will promote you. That, that's what happens. Why? Because promotion does not come from the east, not from the west. It comes from God. So many of us need to spend more time to think about our worldview. Because it affects our decisions. Who is Jesus? Was man created? The Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So some people are telling us that we evolved from monkeys and baboons. That the baboon is your grandfather. I said, not my grandfather. <laughs> That's, that's what they're trying to tell us. You, you need to settle this, your, your worldview. And the best way to settle your worldview is to hinge it on the word of God. That's, that's the best way to say. Don't hinge your worldview on your feelings. Don't hinge your worldview on what you think. Don't hinge your worldview on what your friend thinks or what is popular among your, among your circle. Hinge your worldview on what? On the word of God. Let us read Revelation 17, verse 5. A mysterious name was written on our forehead, Babylon the Great. The mother of what? The mother of all prostitutes and obscenities in the world. So whenever you see any form of prostitution, well, the obvious prostitution and any other form of prostitution, and obs you know what obscenities are? Uncleanness. You've seen Babylon. So Babylon today is not, is not limited to Iraq. Iraq is, is the present-day Babylon location-wise. Babylon today is not limited to a geography, a geographic location. Babylon is... Anywhere you see obscenities, anywhere you see morality, Babylon. Babylon. You see, and, and the symbol, Babylon is a symbol of the world. It is a system of oppression that is opposed to God and his will and cannot be subject to God. 
And Babylon has only one destiny. It's only one destiny. Revelation 14, 8. Revelation 14, 8 says, Then another angel followed him through the sky, shouted, Babylon is falling. That great city is falling. Because she made all the nations of the world drink the wine of a passionate immorality. Anyone that drinks from Babylon is going to fall. Praise the name of the Lord. And Babylon is a spirit. Babylon is a spirit. And there are Christians that are struggling with the spirit of Babylon. The spirit of Babylon is the spirit of lust. It's the spirit of immorality. If you are struggling with the spirit of Babylon, today, Jesus will set you free. Say amen like you mean it. So, what does Babylon represent in the following scriptures? Very quickly. And, and what, what are we warned of? In Isaiah 13, Isaiah 13, 17, sorry, 19. Isaiah 13, 19, it says, Babylon, the jewel of kingdoms, the pride and glory of the Babylonians, will be overthrown by who? Like Sodom and Gomorrah. So what does, what does Babylon represent here? Jewels of kingdoms. And what are we wondering against? It will be overthrown by God himself. Isaiah 21, verse 9. Isaiah 21, 9. I hope you are taking notes because all these things I'm saying, you should be writing them down. Isaiah 21, 9. It says, now, at last, look, here comes a man in a chariot with a pair of horses. Then the watchman said, Babylon is falling, falling. All the idols of Babylon lie broken on the ground. All the idols of Babylon in your life will be destroyed in the name of Jesus. If we look at the king's criteria, you know, some people are struggling. You know, just let go of Babylon and let God cleanse your life. Is that okay? Is that a good plan? Good plan. The king's criteria for service tells us how committed the world is to excellence. Now, we, we, are, we are pivoting um, in another direction now. The King's Criteria for Service tells us how committed the world is to excellence. If you were to select people to work for you or with you, what characteristics would be most important to you? you we read the characteristics of the king, you know, they must be strong, they must be intelligent, they must be handsome. You know, they must be able to learn quickly. They must be sharp, you know. And they did not compromise. And even though this 
children or young men were already gifted. They were not put into royal service immediately. They were trained for three solid years. People that rule the world, they don't do things shabbily. Three solid years. And many of us, you're running a business, you just take people, you just boom, you know. It doesn't work like that, so. I mean, if, I mean, even in God's family house, if you, let's, let's, say, let's say the choir, for instance. The process, the process of joining the choir alone, some people never even make it. <laughs> you do the auditioning, then you come, you sit down, you can sit down for six months, then you have to do the NCR, then you have to do the journey, then after, by the time you are done, you must be a serious person. Everybody you see up here, they are very serious people. <laughs> By the time you are done, praise the name of the Lord. I think you should clap for them. They've gone through a lot. <laughs> a lot of fire, a lot of pruning. I'm directly in charge of the choir. I pry into their lives in an amazing way. And many people don't make it. Roughly about 70% of people that start the choir don't make it to the stage. Yeah. That's how it is. Even as a church, you have to go through the journey. You are gifted, you are talented, you are anointed. Praise God. To do this journey. If the if if the people of the world will not compromise, why should the kingdom? Why should, why should we? Why should we? So the question is to you and I. I mean, how important is it to you when you are when you are recruiting? You have a business when you are when you are recruiting people into your business. Do you have a system that? Okay, before we even talk about system, what do you look for in people that you recruit, or if you were to recruit? Someone, what will you look for? Must the person be a Christian? Must it, what are the criterias? Who wants to help us? What are the criterias you look for? Sammy, you are recruiting people? Who wants to help us? Yes, there's a hand at the back. Well, I, I think that the person must be able to endure um, difficult times, like... Okay. Um, some group of people were looking for a job and they were asked to wait for like 30 minutes deliberately before they can even see somebody to maybe drop their CVs with and right. two of them just left. <laughs> they're upset. Because they feel they're wasting their time. They think they're wasting their time. Yeah, they're not ready. They're not ready. So endurance, you will look for endurance. What else? Anybody else? You know? Okay, question. If you, you have a, an organization a multi-million dollar organization. Say amen now. Except you already have it. You know, let us know. <laughs> you have a multi-million dollar organization. And you want to employ people. What will you look for? Would you, you're a Christian. Would you say, I want to employ, I must employ only Christians? You won't employ only Christians? You employ 
Everybody? Okay, there's someone right there. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I think things I'll look out for is character and competence. Character and competence. If they have character and they have competence, how would you know someone has character? <laughs> someone says, I have character. You just employ him. Okay. Says, I'll see what I'm looking for. <laughs> but that's it's good to look out for those things. Yes, there's a hand at the back. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, one thing I will search for is integrity. Because I think uh, the other things can be imbibed, but integrity is something that you really cannot um, teach people. It's not easy to teach people. Okay, cool. You look for integrity. So it's interesting that, I mean, um, Nebuchadnezzar wanted people for his royal service. It was not tribalistic. He didn't really care whether they were... Um, from Babylon. In fact, he chose the best from the other people, but he did not stop there, which is where, where the average people stop. He did not stop there. He brainwashed them. He indoctrinated them. He changed their names. For three years, he was, he was feeding them stuff. By the, by the time they entered the royal service, most of them have lost their identity. Of course, apart from Daniel and his friends. Most of them, we didn't hear of them anymore. I mean, there were more than four that were employed. There were Jews. The rest, if you see them, maybe at the time, you would think they were Babylonians. They were bearing the name happily. They were living prestigious lives. They felt fortunate. They felt they were favored. But Nebuchadnezzar, we should learn. You know, why, why I'm bringing this thing out is simple. We should learn from these um, great kings. Even though they are ungodly, there's something to learn from them. So we have to come up with systems. We have to come up with processes. We have to come up with documented ways of doing things where we take people through, whether you're running a business or even if you are a homekeeper, you employed a nanny. You just don't tell the nanny, okay, you know how to wash, you know how to cook. Which soup can you cook? Edika Icon, you know, okay, you know. Then you go, you leave the nanny with your husband. Something is wrong with that. You have to train, you have to indoctrinate. By the time the nanny is, by the time you are done with the nanny, If the nanny cooks a wedu or whatever soup, you, they will not be able to tell the difference between your own and the nanny's. I'm assuming your own is good. <laughs> Something like that. Okay. What names do we feel pressured by our culture to accept? Or what names do you see people accepting from the culture? You know, I grew up with, I mean, <laughs> everybody, in, in growing up, everybody I knew had a nickname. If you don't have a nickname, the, the, day, you, the day we know you, we will give you a nickname. That's just how it is. We, you know, everybody had a nickname. So, the nickname 
Okay, let me. The nickname they were, they were calling me was Femos Copio. Have you heard that before? <laughs> so, so you, I score a goal, for instance, and everybody shouted, Copio! And me too, I'm feeling good, right? So, I get saved. And my friends were still calling me Scorpion. I'm like, but the Bible says I will trample upon scarpents and scorpions. <laughs> and all the powers of it. So I had to stop them. Don't call me scorpion. If you must add anything, put lion. Because I'm of the tribe of the lion of, of Judah. They didn't like it, but end of story. I stopped everybody from calling me that. What do they call you? <clears throat> Yes, okay, their hands over there, yeah. People bear names like Babatunde, my father has come back. Right, that is a funny name. Very tricky name. You know, it means the father has come back, the dead man. So the spirit of the dead man begins to trouble the little boy. Or the demon spirit that pretends to be the spirit of the dead man. Yes. Um, growing up, I was right. a bit um, fat. And um, they called me Obokun. Obokun? Yes. And then up to the extent that they funkified it to Obox. Obox. <laughs> when I got married, and um, one of those days, my brother-in-law, that's my, my father, my sister's husband, came to our house. And he was like, Obox, Obokun. It was my daughter from the window that was like saying, she, I think she was five or six, that she said, my mom is not Obokun. Stop calling her Obokun. Absolutely. I was like, and the, my brother-in-law was so shocked and embarrassed. I'm like, ah, I've got somebody fighting for me. Please stop calling me Obokun. And that's the way it is. And I, I actually told people to stop calling me Obox. Then you began to lose weight. <laughs> <laughs> and the miracle started. <laughs> okay, so no Obox, no Obox. I was going to adopt that name for someone, but no us. No us. <clears throat> I didn't mention anybody's name. Right. Anybody else? Then we, there's a hand right at the back. Over there, yeah. Sorry, uh, Pastor, good evening. Good I evening. just wanted to buttress how um, we can trace Everything back to the Bible. Why am I? I'm taking you back to the last. I was raising my hands. You didn't see okay. the last um, topic. You just um, the section we just finished. Okay. There's a leadership training we go to in my company um, in Harvard, and um, and there's something they say when they do the personality profile. Right. They say we all come out the same way, kind of, and it just goes to show how. And the only other thing they do, they hire the best, oh. and then they retrain you, and then you, uh, there are processes, there are procedures. In fact, even to disagree, there's a procedure to disagree. <laughs> you know, there's a process to do that. So it just, while you are saying that, so it just came to me that we can trace everything right back to the Bible. Absolutely. That's how successful um, companies get you know, how high and sustain the people that they have. So I, I'll just, you know, 
these strife sessions, they all they always turn out in a wonderful way. Amen. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, so finally, Romans 8, 5 to 11. Romans 8, 5 to 11. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that pleases the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law and it never will. Neither can it. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. Say amen. You are controlled by the Holy Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, and remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. Verse 10. And Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living where? Living within you. How can you think and act consistently with your identity with, in God? From that scripture, it's, it's obvious. It jumps out at you. How can you think and act consistently with your identity in God? The answer is by allowing the Holy Spirit control your mind. By allowing the Holy Spirit control your mind. So, our commitment to commit is, our commitment is we are going to commit this personal, personalized passage of scripture to memory. First Peter 2.9. We are going to commit it to memory. So let us read it together. It has been personalized. So let's read it together. One, two, go. But I am not like that. I belong to a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. A holy nation, God's special possession, that I may declare the praises of him who has called me out of darkness into his wonderful night. So when Babylon tries to pressure you to respond in a certain way, you say, but I am not like that. I belong to a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that I may declare the praises of him who called me out of darkness into his wonderful light. When they want to give you a name that is not yours, when the system of this world wants to 
program you to behave in ways that is not consistent with your God. You say, but I am not like that. I belong to chosen generation. Hey, royal priesthood. Hey, holy nation. God's special possession. That I may declare the praises of him who called me out of darkness into his wonderful light. Amen. Let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. Some of us are ensnared by Babylon already. But there's a way out for you today. Some of us, we are in Babylon. You're like, Pastor, that is so me. Can I come out today? Yes, you can. Can you pray with me? Yes, you can. Can I have a new identity in Christ? Like Daniel, have a new name from God. Yes, you can. That is me, Pastor. Pray with me. Put up your hand boldly over your head. Wherever you are seated, you don't need to come forward. Over your head. God bless you. Not on your head. Over. Put it up. God bless you. Shoot it up. Up, 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 up. God bless you. God bless you, son. God bless you, my dear. God bless you, my dear. Keep it up. If you are online, the structures are scrolling. The structures are scrolling. That is me. Put it up. God bless you. That is me. I'm going to pray with you just now. Put it up. That is me. God bless you. Right there. God bless you. Another hand there. Over here. God bless you. Keep your hands up. God bless you, sir. Keep your hands up and say to Jesus, I come. I come into your kingdom. I step away from Babylon. Some of us, we are ensnared with depths of immorality. God is saying, come out today. Come out. Babylon is falling. Come out. That is me. Pastor, pray with me. Put up that hand quickly and I'll pray with you. That is me. That is me. The rest of us, let's, let's talk to God. Let's pray that, Father, my identity in you, Lord, let it be preserved. Let it be strong. That my worldview, Lord, will be of the kingdom of heaven. Because I belong to a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar nation. I have been called. If you have the card, you can put on your hand. You already have the card. You can put on your hand. Just talk to God. I'm about to pray with you. I've been called out from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Father, I pray for everyone that is coming out of Babylon willfully today, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The hold of Babylon over this life, let them be broken in the name of Jesus. Father, fill this life, so God, with your presence. Fill this life with your light. And we pray for everyone in this place. In ways that the world has tried to indoctrinate us, deliver us totally from this brainwash. That we will see things as we ought to see them. That our worldview will be from you and by you in the name of Jesus. Help us, Father. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Oh. Say
Thank 